Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode on the Front Row Podcast. I am your host, Joe. And before we start off this week's episode, I wanted to take a few minutes just to thank everyone that listened to our last episode. And if you missed out, we sat down with my good friend, Julie Julie, aka Julianne. So Julie is a registered psychotherapist from the Empathic Counseling Center, and we got to sit down with her and have an impactful and meaningful Q&A around, you know, why she chose to want to help people through the form of therapy and really her journey into, you know, getting there, getting registered, and really the steps that she took ultimately to pursue her dream. Uh, some other things that we we got to talk about included um, some of the access points and the barriers that you know therapy kind of creates for different communities and in this case specific to the Tamil community another thing that we also got to talk about which was great for me was how she became a, a published author i forget the name of her book but i would highly recommend that everyone checks her out on instagram or on facebook at the empathic counseling counseling sorry center and looks her up on amazon as well she's got a book for anger management that is really really great i've got two copies of it myself so would highly uh, encourage you guys to, to check her out. And again, just a, just a big thank you to everyone that took the time to listen and to give us some great feedback. I do know that that episode sounded a little weird. That's because I just wasn't close enough to my microphone. So we're figuring it out. I apologize. But as we, you know, as we get into the rest of our episodes, I assure you we're trying to, you know, we're trying to up the quality. So thank you again just to everyone that took the time to, to listen and really enjoy that episode. Finally, guys, I wanted to share something with you in relation to actually our episode with Julie because she specializes and focuses in on anger management in therapy. And one of the things that I told her was as a child, you know, as a kid, I was very angry. I was very batshit crazy as well, but definitely angry, definitely the the type of person to get something to trigger me and it would it would just set me off very, very fast. So one of the things that I realized was that this is definitely, you know, affecting relationships affecting my mood affecting you know my my day to day and I can't you know I can't allow that to to happen but more importantly I need to be proactive about you know managing this but just you know putting putting some elbow grease into into what what this is doing for me so with a little bit of help from Julie I'm going to break down uh, what I decided to do and what I'm you know what I am doing about it and how it's going going for me how it's working so I realized that, you know, there are words, there are phrases, there might be things that, you know, other people do or that I do that trigger me to kind of get angry and get upset about something. And this is, listen, guys, we're, we're human. It's bound to happen, but it's also about, you know, what are you, what are you doing about it? And how are you kind of, you know, managing that expectation with yourself? So for me, again, I, I realized that this is really affecting in a, in a small, but still significant way. It's affecting my, my mood or my character and I know that I'm better than that so I was like all right let's write down some of these things that are kind of triggering me and like you know column number one and then column number two could be you know how's that how's that shit kind of just making me feel what is it causing me to do what is it causing me to say and you know column three is more of like okay well why why is it making you feel xyz way and then column four is almost like all right well what am I doing to to neutralize it slash is it true you know, am I actually able to to make that feeling of anger or frustration or wanting to, you know, like give somebody a kick in the butt? You know, um, is that is that am I able to push that away for the right reason? So I'll give you a good example of, of how this works for me. This is going to sound crazy, but if you're if you're brown, if you're South Asian, you can kind of relate. My parents, their love language is asking me to eat 24 seven. Did you eat? Did you eat? Did you eat? Did you eat? And I'm the type of person to look at that and be like, listen, I'm capable. I'm an adult. If I want to go and eat, I've go. I've got you know two two feet, two hands, two two arms, two eyes. I'll go do it. And I've I've said that before to friends, to family, you name it. If you've asked me to eat, you know what this is about. So what I am realizing is, okay, well, why is it making me feel this way? It's making me feel this way. This way, sorry, because it feels condescending or it feels like I'm, I'm being made out to look like I'm inadequate and I'm not capable of doing X, Y, Z. All right. Um, so now that I've, you know, identified like the why, what am I doing to neutralize it? Well, let me, let me go back to that question of like, Hey, I'm Hey Joe, did you eat? Okay. Well, they're just asking me to eat. Yeah. It might, it might not be at the, at the best time, but I also need to decipher and put in a little bit of effort to kind of figure out, all right, well, what's the question, you know, is it a question or is it a, an assertive piece of criticism, whatever it is, 
um, it's important for me. And I think um, maybe a tip for everyone is just kind of understand where someone is coming from. Follow that question up with the question of like, hey, did you, what did you mean by that? Right. So I think being able to recognize, OK, said person is just asking did you, did you eat? And they want to find out if you ate. Okay. This has nothing to do with, you know, your inability to go and make food or get food or eat it's, or even, you know, forcing you to eat. It's actually just a genuine question. So I've been doing this with like many different phrases or just little, little, little things. And I know this sounds like a little bit of a crazy wild activity to kind of be doing, but I'm going to implore everyone that's listening to try this out, try this out, see how this affects your day to day, your mood, you know, your relationship with your significant other or your parents, your brother, your sibling, your coworkers. This might be a good way to like manage your stress. And for me, I get anxiety so fast, so quickly. I'd mentioned earlier in our first episode that I I think I did anyways, but if I didn't, for those of you that are listening, I also have alopecia. So I lose hair due to stress in like some specific parts of my scalp. So this is a way for me to manage that, but it's also a way for me to find, you know, um, being calm with making a better decision, finding a more methodical way to approach it. And it sounds, you know, it sounds a little grade school to be like, all right, go put this into a chart, go read it out. It's a small practice, right? That I, you know, I'm, I'm spending a few minutes of my day just, just trying to do. And anytime something triggering kind of comes up, I just pull it up, you know, kind of pull it up and almost use that as like my cheat sheet to be like, okay, I got to do X, Y, Z to kind of like neutralize shit and just just be a little bit more calm, a little bit more serene and, you know, like a swan, if you will. Apparently that's, that's what they tell nurses to be like in nursing school, because at the top, you know, above water, you got to act super calm, but beneath the water, you're totally, you know, (laughs) your legs are kicking away. So this is, this is kind of my way of trying to do that. And ultimately guys, I want to make sure that I'm able to be a better person. So this is a way for me to find accountability with myself, but also to channel that into, you know, my everyday interactions, whether it's with my friends, uh, you know, my loved ones, my, my family members, any of that stuff. And just a way for me to be calmer and I think just more kind to myself, but also to be gentle um, with my, my day to day, especially for someone like me that gets stressed out very very easily. So in any case, guys, that was a little bit of my, my share from me to you. So use that approach. Let me know how you guys, uh, you know, how it works for you guys. And, uh, hopefully crossing my fingers, you know, that was, that was a beneficial tip for you. So that that was my, that's my little bit of being vulnerable with you guys today. Thanks again for listening. And here's this week's episode. In actuality? Yeah, there's no, I'm kidding. There's like maybe like 30 people that listen to this, but okay. that's, that's well, I listen to it, so that's all that counts. This is wow. This is <laughs> there this you is, go. This is shit, guys. This okay, is, let's start. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Front Row Podcast. I am your host, Joe. Um, don't forget to follow us across Twitter and on Instagram to see tons of behind the scenes content. Um, by, you know, popular demand, uh, many of my friends, uh, you know, my, my boys, my homegirls, wait, are we recording? Yeah, yeah, we're recording, we're recording. Uh, many, you know, many, many of my, of my boys, my homegirls have been on my case and in particular, my homegirls have just been like, Joe, you need to, you need to get your sister on the podcast. And what, like, I just, I don't get this because Half of y'all just haven't met her in person. It's only been through like, you know, maybe FaceTime, maybe pictures, but I just, I don't understand the standing. It's like your Beyonce to many of my (laughs) friends. So just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't particularly get it, but by, again, by popular demand and request, uh, welcome to the podcast, sister. Thank you. Why am I not the first one? Um, who was the first one? Uh, my boy Eric actually was. So yeah, um, I know. thought I would be first. Bros before clearly. S- sisters. Clearly, so, <laughs> you know, you know. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, this is good. It's you know, I've been I've been thinking about this for a while. I just wanted to find the right time to do it. Obviously, um, I've been tremendously busy. I know you've been busy as well. And we'll get into this as well. But um, yeah, no. Welcome to the show. Does this feel weird for you? Uh, yes and no. Yes, because we're in my house. Okay. No, because I expect nothing less from you. Okay. So. This, okay. Okay. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll... No, I'll, like I'll, a good thing. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll happily, I'll happily take it. Uh, now, I've been, I've been thinking about, I've, I was either thinking about you or dad and I was like... You want a dad on the let, show? Let me do you first and see if I need to... You want a dad on the show? I mean, dad has a lot of, there's a lot of gems that dad can drop in, yeah. in a very controlled environment. You'd have to bring his wife with him. I, I don't even know if I can handle by the way, am I allowed to take a sip? Yeah, you. Okay, this cool. is, oh. mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm good. Good. 
Cool. Yeah. Cool. You still have something on your lips, so. Okay. Okay. I'm good. In a, in any case, guys, uh, <laughs> this is my sister. Uh, she is. Uh, Okay, let's not go there. She is six years older than me. Uh, Yes. We have had uh, an interesting sibling relationship. Pre-me, my parents thought that I was going to be a girl, so they gave me all of my sister's hand-me-downs. They painted my room pink. That is correct. I came out with the penis and everything changed. Uh, that is quite correct. This is yeah. This is this is pure. <laughs> this is pure facts. But our sibling relationship, I'd like to say, has been very interesting. I feel like when we started as kids, I definitely hated your guts. Um, Likewise, I don't know if you know this, but I used <laughs> to actually have drawings oh, wow. of this throwing is, you down the elevator shaft is, in our first apartment building. This, wow, this is that news to you? This is. Uh, <laughs> That is how much I loved you. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. This took a wild, <laughs> wild left. We're going to have to enter a little kumbaya after this and <laughs> understand what... All that uh, to say, we are amazing siblings. We, you know, I, f- I feel like, again, like when we started off, um, and I think this is most sibling relationships, uh, for the most part, you start off hating your, your, your sibling yeah. and you're just trying to figure out how to get into your groove. And I think maybe around the, even in our teens... No, I didn't not like you. I think I just didn't know how to like vibe. With I you. think we just didn't know each other. Yeah, that because we yeah. were a whole generation apart. I mean, six six years is a pretty big gap. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. feel like I only truly got to know you when right. I started going to university, mm-hmm. and up until then, I didn't know you were there. Wow. This. I mean, like my awareness <laughs> didn't know. I'm sure I knew you were there. This is why I couldn't have you on. <laughs> Yes. But my awareness didn't <laughs> right. know. Right, right, right. But right, I feel right. like that six-year gap right. didn't help in those years of our lives. Fair. But as we grew older, for sure, mm-hmm. my best friend is my brother. Wow. Look at her lying through her goddamn <laughs> Yeah. Some bullshit. She said the same thing to James. I don't... <laughs> I just said the same thing to my son two hours ago. <laughs> she, anyway. She tells, on. <laughs> she tells her children this line, okay? And she's feeling this bullshit. And, <laughs> Moving, moving forward, moving forward. Yeah, so I, I think, like you, like you said, you know, when you were in university, I was uh, still in high school at that point and kind of like figuring out what I was going to do. I remember you would take the train to go like two hours to UTSC. And even then, like I understood what you were doing, but we never had time to really just form much of a of a of a bond with depth, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, recently I was actually thinking about this, that I kind of missed out mm-hmm. on high school experiences with you you? yeah because i mean when you got into high school i was getting into university Mm -hmm. and so that entire period was gone right and then when i was kind of in elementary school Mm -hmm. you were just entering elementary Mm -hmm. school yeah so we kind of missed chunks of years i mean i I remember even in like elementary school so we used to live uh down near don mills and eglinton in north york and when i was like there we used to go to this uh the school called john the 23rd and there was a section for like kindergartners and i remember you 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 would pick me up and then like drop me off for like when school started and that's I just remember you being so much more older than me. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Again, rightfully so. You're six years older than me. There's going to be a, a big, a big gap there. But I think that gap shortened a lot as I like went into like my early twenties. Yes. As you were in your late twenties, going into your thirties. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, I do remember when you turned twenty, mm-hmm. then I was only like twenty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it didn't feel like that big of a gap. But for those first couple years, yeah. and all. Also, because you just don't remember shit that it's happens true. in yeah, your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now when I look at my kids, they have a six-year gap. Right. And I uh, realize that there's so much they're going to miss in between. Tons, yeah. Because they're a whole, like, generation apart. Right. So I feel like at one point I was, like, dropping you off, picking you up. Mm-hmm. And then I just have no memory of us. <laughs> I, th- I think what I do remember the most was like when you got your first job. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when, we, when our parents moved to the West End of Toronto in uh, in Mississauga, like you got two jobs. She used to work at Zeller's and at this um, grocery, this Italian grocery store called Battaglia's. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I remember like bits and pieces. But then like like you said, there was this gap where like I would be doing stuff with my friends. I don't know if you had friends. so I think I did, <laughs> but I didn't see them. But you you know what's funny like the other day i was thinking about when i started university right. you were in high school mm-hmm. 
and mom had first started working. Right. And right, right. Uh, you would take your bicycle right. and just Shit. freaking leave. Shit. So there's a there's a fu- <laughs> there's a funny story behind this. So you would just leave. And I just remember, like I was saying to James the other day, I'm like, this guy was allowed to freaking leave the house, but I had to stay inside the There was a, house. this is this is one of those dumb stories, but there was a day when she was working at this grocery store and uh, my task was to just go and bike up and then just come back with her. And I friggin' frolicked around and just biked around for like 25 minutes, which probably felt like three hours to my mother because I came home 30 minutes after my sister and got beats for days. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was like, where did you go? You were supposed to pick up your sister, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh. I just remember I'd call mom when she was working at that first job and be like, yo, your son is not home, (laughs) but I'm here and I'm just keeping time to let you know I'm still here. But right. he is not home. <laughs> I, I will say, and I, I don't think it was fair. I also think, like, I I was more of the rebellious child. Like, I did a lot of dumb shit. Like, I, like, I won't even get into it. But there's a ton of dumb shit that I did. But I didn't do it just because I was the guy. I just did it because it was, that's just me. Like, I'm, I'm known to do very silly, funny, weird. If you know me very well, then you'll know exactly where this is coming from. But for those of you that don't, that's just in, in, inherently in me. So it's not out of my character to do something really, really strange. But the difference between me and you, I would say, is that I was willing to take that risk. Yes. And just if I if yeah. I was going to make a mistake, I would I would do it happily knowing like, oh, whatever, I did it. Yeah. And actually, you know what? This also I reflected on recently yeah, yeah, yeah. is the fact that you probably had a lot more awareness of yourself and what you needed to a push in terms of boundaries yeah, yeah, yeah. at a younger age than I did, right. which is why you pushed boundaries naturally. Right. It right. wasn't, I wouldn't even say it was dumb shit. Like right. now when I think back, there was a lot of things I didn't explore myself, but you did. And right, so in right, many right, ways, right. while you and I are six years apart and I'm six years your senior, mm-hmm. um, I actually have to be like, when I really like when it comes to mind, mm-hmm. you're actually older than me in life experience because there's would a you, lot would of you look at that? Yeah, no, seriously, because you've actually done a but lot I'm of sh- stuff. Yeah. No, give yourself that. You've done a <laughs> lot of stuff before I was willing to explore it for myself. Right. Okay. And part of that was because I don't know why. Like maybe it was just the way girls are raised in our community or what it was, or just me. Okay. I was so unaware. Like okay. I just didn't know what was up. Right. But you did like you went to prom. I did. You bought a girl a corsage. I did. I did. You know, like you got your first job doing these things. Whereas I kind of I think waited for the cue. Right. Um, and so like if I was told to do it, right. I did it. Right. But I never pushed the boundary to explore it. And I think that's really important at that stage hmm. of life, okay. especially in your teens mm-hmm. and even your preteen years to do those things. Because what you're doing is you're exploring the world. Right. And so a lot of the times I realize now looking back, I explored the world through you. Ah, OK. But okay. I did it very late. <laughs> Super late. Very late. So like when I, you know, when I needed dating advice, I yeah. came to you kind of yeah. late in the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, ideally yeah. it should have been the other way around. But I learned a lot about okay. the world through you. Okay. Um, and like hats off to you, right? Because you did push the envelope. And I remember just being like, why isn't he asking for permission to take a bike ride? I would just do it. But then you would just do <laughs> yeah. it. And now like raising kids i'm like well they don't need to ask me permission for everything they just need to get up and go right, right like right. do you know do you now think later right like, that's how life is meant right, to be right. lived within so within reason and within and safe reason, parameters yeah, obviously yeah. right yeah. but i think now looking back i'm like it doesn't matter who's older and who's younger right uh you can learn a lot from your siblings right and i equally right you know, everybody should know this i learned a lot from you Well, likewise, I will say growing up, though, she was the more uh, she was sophisticated. She was super smart. I was I was I was very late. So for for those of you that are listening to this, there was there was this moment in like I think it was like kindergarten or grade one where I was tasked with, um, you know, you have to write your name down on a piece of paper. Your teacher will laminate this piece of paper and give it to you at the end of the school day to be like, here, take this to your parents, to your guardians. So me being the moron that I was, I, I was again, I was very late to speak. I was very late to to write. Comprehension was a very difficult task for me. And I know you remember the story because I, I do. I, 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 do. Came, I came home super proud, really happy. I was like, Amma, here you go. I gave this piece of paper to her and, and the, the piece of paper said my name is, and for those of you that are listening, my first name is Joseph, but my middle name is Amarin. That's my thumbnail name and it's spelled A-M-A-R-A-N. But to me, as the child that didn't know how to, how to write, how to read, but could speak, I was like, okay, what what does the A, what does the M, what what do they all have in common? To me, I this this 
this goes to the fact that like as a child i wanted to become a computer engineer i i, th- I thought those all looked like zeros and ones so i wrote down my name yeah. is zero one zero 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 one zero one and my mom looked at this and, and just was like the fuck is this shit <laughs> like, well, i remember I, dad just being like so proud because he was like yo he just he just wrote in his name in binary code that's my son <laughs> And Dis- then I just remember being like, you know, that's not his name, right? <laughs> Dis- dis- uh, disappoint- disappointing moment. But guys. it wasn't. Dis- disappointing moment. <laughs> because even that, now I see like Gautam do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, recently I was like, maybe it's like a boy or girl thing, how you Could perceive you know, information be. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for saying I was sophisticated and smart. You couldn't even say sophisticated. <laughs> I don't know if I was sophisticated back then uh, or smart. Right. What I do know is I was very disciplined. Super. Um, and I think that just came a lot from mom and dad, that first child syndrome, right. which is like, you just don't want to screw shit up with your first child. Fair. Okay. So you kind of hammer it down on them. And right. then anybody that comes after, you're like, yeah, whatever. fuck it. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You okay. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just Surprise, like. Surprise, my sister swears she's human, guys. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I think I swore in front of mom the other day. <laughs> I heard, I, on, as a quick side note, sorry guys, this conversation is all over the place. I promise you we'll have good transitionary points. But uh, th- there, was a, there was a moment not too long ago where I, mom was on a work call and I just, I happened to walk by the kitchen and all I heard was bullshit. <laughs> I was like, did you? Hey, that's a pretty big swear word for you, her. Did you just say, wow, this Con- is, yeah. Considering her swear vocabulary is very small. Truth. Um, but yeah, so that's where we are now. A lot of what I learned from you, though, growing up was later in, in life of how to, you know, develop discipline. And I think those like core competencies that you were good at in like elementary school took me a very long time to grasp. Like being able to study in university, couldn't do it, could not do it for the life of me. But now in, in my corp nine to five and as, as a small business owner, I'm able to actually use a lot of what you did um and if, for me i was just like similar to you how, how you were late in the game in in some some aspects of your life for me i was late to the game with like comprehension building really good principles um took me a super long time to to like actually just put into practice like for you that can and that still does come very naturally to you whether it's through work whether it's through like cooking like you're very like you know focus driven and very like you know process even in, even though they look so regular to everyone like when i see you like make food i'm like oh you would think to do 20 things all at the same time but if you really break it down it's very methodical that for me as a child i could not comprehend i was bat shit crazy <laughs> i just i couldn't do it i think i just stuck inside the box right and certain tasks allow me to do that mm-hmm. really well and mm-hmm. actually now i'm finding um i need to get outside of the box mm-hmm. because a lot of your growth and creativity lies outside of that. Fair. So I've yeah. watched you do that from a very young age. Mm. And I was actually telling mom the other day, I, I played like a tidbit of one of your podcasts oh for goodness. her. Yeah, no, I was like, yo, you should be so proud mom, so of mom, your son. Mom and dad, it's funny because I don't, I, I never to this day, I still haven't actually actively told them that I have a podcast. Oh, so, I did. <laughs> so some, someone else in our family that came by recently, like like mentioned it and my, and my dad was like, huh, I I, I was like, mom, you need to pay for a Spotify membership, <laughs> even though you could probably listen to it for free somewhere yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, just to listen to him and then i was like by the way your son has like a sick ass radio jockey voice can you imagine how so, many women are like joe dad, dad <laughs> i'm gonna ignore that so, so dad dad was like oh i heard uh you have a podcast how so how do you dad's how like, do you enable it <laughs> dad's like, probably like yo where the shit does he have this recording stuff like is no, this he's, invisible he's, he's seen it and, and you know for for those that are listening our our, our dad he has, has a huge musical background and he used to and he still does sing on the radio he's um he he has students and, and all this stuff so he has a big musical background he's been recording studios before he actually came up to me uh, a few days ago and so our dad um he is he was a panelist for this show that i believe was either done on youtube or yeah or something like that and to make a super long story short and i mentioned this actually in an earlier episode with julie but um our, my dad came up to me and he was like oh i uh i got a new student and i was like oh okay cool and i was like tell me like tell me more and he was like yeah this uh this person was listening to my uh panel interview on youtube and they whatsapped me so i was like oh okay uh and he was like yeah it's it's a man i looked at him i was like uh really and he was like yeah he's in it i was like really and he's like yeah he's 51 i was like what so there was some some man some male that felt compelled enough to be like i really like what you do and how you do it Mm -hmm. and i want to learn from you and dad was like yeah he paid me for like two months up front the whole nine and i was like wow this is really impressive our dad is pretty old he's 67 
Yeah. Going on 68. Am I getting that right? Yeah. 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 So I was, yeah, completely su- surprised by, by that. Yeah. No, no. He's, he's, um, he's got a lot of talent to offer. Yeah. And I think that's probably where, you know, you get it from as well. Even the, the discipline thing for me, for me, like I said, it just, it took me forever, but you just, I, I don't, I don't know how to explain. It. I don't know if it's a Scorpio thing or if it's I think just so. <laughs> I think cause we're OCD. Y'all so there's, are crazy by the way. Yeah, we are crazy. Yeah. We're definitely crazy. I think there's a bit of that. And yeah. I think it was modeled for me because mom is extremely disciplined in some stuff. And she's a Scorpio as well. Yeah. And she's a Scorpio as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And dad and certain things um, that are really important to him is also right. very disciplined. Right. I can't say I'm like, as disciplined as I could be, mm-hmm. uh, but over the years, it's something that served me really, really well. Right. Um, and I think with girls, you know, especially in the South Asian community, mm-hmm. the expectation is that you are going to be self-disciplined, mm-hmm. and so that type of behavior is valued mm-hmm. and um, appreciated mm-hmm. and you know praised, mm-hmm. and that can do a lot for right. you growing up. Both so positive and negative. Positive and negative. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I think it was something that was just kind of built into me. Right. Um, and so I use that to the best of my ability, but I'm glad that we both have that, mm-hmm. you know, yin, yin, yang, because you have that free thinking and out of the box thinking. And then I have sort of the flip side of that. Right. And I can come to you for stuff. And mm-hmm. I actually really like that now as we've gotten older, I right. can approach you for, you know, different questions. It's about very life. organic. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you come to me for stuff and there's stuff now we don't need to go to mom and dad mm-hmm. for, you know, we have each other's backs. Right. And I think as parents, they've enjoyed watching that bond kind of grow oh, yeah. Yeah, between yeah. us Quite well. because yeah. at the end of the day like you know you do have family comes first for sure that's really really important and i think you do that really really well Uh, i've observed that james has observed that Mm -hmm. like my friends have observed that you do that really really well and now it sets an example and precedence for our kids Mm -hmm. um so in that way i'm glad we've grown to that point Mm -hmm. and of course we definitely have our parents to thank for that oh yeah for sure um and you know who knows what's next to come in the in the next few years ahead of us I, I want to quickly uh, just touch on one, one thing that you kind of like briefly alluded to was like some of the good times um, as as we started to kind of grow our, our bond was that we actually did our, our I'm going to not say first, maybe second sibling trip because we traveled together in like year 2000 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to Colombo and to England. Yep. Uh, but we went to uh, Chennai and to Colombo and then to England. What's it two years ago now? Yeah. 2018. Wow. Wow. That was an incredible, that, w- that for it me was, was a, a big eye opener into just like who you are as a traveler. Cause I feel, I, I realized that like who you are in your hometown is completely different when you travel. Like for me, I, at least for me, I'm, I am way more active. I tend to be a little bit more carefree um, and, ju- and just like want to be like a, di- not a different version of myself, but just a, l- a bit, a, a lot more laid back. Cause I'm like, it's vacation. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day. Right. Yeah. So we, I, I, th- I thought that was a good trip. It was excellent. Yeah. And now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I frequently like look at those pictures, yeah. watch the videos, yeah. think of the places we went to. Right. I'm actually so glad we did that together at mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. because now the way life has changed, right. A, we wouldn't be able to get on a plane in right. if we wanted to. Right. Um, but it was a spur of the moment thing. Plus, we kind of, you know, together as siblings got that time with grandma, which right. is right. really important yeah. and very nice. Looking back, even though it wasn't that long ago, it mm-hmm. kind of feels like it was it feels like, like a lifetime ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was an amazing trip, I think, traveling together. Plus, um, you know, we had some really good times in Chennai, just oh enjoying gosh. the Chennai food was yeah, yeah. and the sights and the sounds. And yeah. then even our train ride up to um, Hill Station yeah, in yeah, yeah. Sri Lanka, like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. amazing. So like I'll forever, forever cherish that. And traveling is, is definitely something hopefully, you know, post post pandemic we can we can do again. Yeah, no, I'm hoping we can go back mm-hmm. and travel again, but I'll never forget that trip. You good know? times. Yeah, that was really good. So we we talked a lot about like our our childhood. Um, One thing that I did want to touch on uh, was your career, Uh, because your background and feel free to stop me at any point is heavily influenced and in the research field. Right. Um, So you started. I remember growing up, you were volunteering at St. Mike's for like like as long as I can remember, a very long time. And then eventually you got a job there. Yeah, I actually started volunteering before that. Right. our like Tamil priest, right, right, Father right. Jitendran, yeah. was kind enough to uh, hook me up with a volunteer position at uh, the hospital for sick children. Okay. So I started there. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved between departments there. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a lot of that, and then got a job with them for a summer. Okay. 
just as university started. Mm-hmm. And then once I moved out to Scarborough for school, yeah. then I started volunteering at St. Mike's. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky. I had a really good coordinator who one day was like, you know what? Like, this kind of work is not free. Yeah. I'm going to find a grant to pay Only you. after like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Only after 10 years. But it was good because I learned a lot. Yeah. And I, I, rather, if I had to backtrack, I learned a lot about what it means to place value mm-hmm on what you bring to the table professionally okay. at a very early stage. And so she kind of made sure I got paid on a part-time level. Mm-hmm. By that point, I was living away from home right. and studying. Yeah. And so it gave me income to pay for my lifestyle, yeah. my student lifestyle at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I also had two other jobs. So I had a job on campus working in the library yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. on campus working in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. So I just basically worked all this time mm-hmm. and studied all the time. But that's kind of where I started. Sounds like high school when you were working at Zellers and at the grocery store. That actually started my last year of high school. Oh, so I okay. finished high school. It was the year, bet- it was the summer between the end of high school and the beginning of university. Okay. And I saved all my money right. to go to school. The complete opposite of what I did, by the way. But <laughs> Well, I mean, I only did it that summer and yeah. after that I didn't do very much for right. a little while. But okay. Yeah, no, that's kind of where my career started. I started off mm-hmm. in research. It fell into my lap, actually, okay. because I was studying, like, my degree was in neuroscience. And public health, right? Uh, no, eventually went into health studies, but initially right. it was just, like, pure neurosciences okay. Okay. Um, and biology, and I wanted to go to med school. Right. Not wanted. The aspiration of many, yeah. many uh, South Asian, you know, girls, males as well, but the aspiration of many parents as well to be like, my child has to become Let's a doctor. Let's down <laughs> Tamil parents. That too, that too. Right? I'm sure it exists within other communities, Tamil but oh yeah, parents, good time. And yeah. I think grandparents, because it was grandpa's dream right. to go to medical school, right. and so I kind of assumed it to just be my own. Which is funny because he was uh, an accountant so out of not out of choice though. out of necessity out of necessity yeah he yeah. didn't have a choice he couldn't afford to go to medical right. school but i assumed it to be my own dream because i was kind of more inclined to the mm-hmm. sciences mm-hmm. but i didn't really have a full understanding of what it actually takes a to go to med school okay and then to do it well and succeed as a doctor mm-hmm. you know my understanding of being a physician was just like like a kid, like you put the stethoscope in your ears right. and you check everybody's heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> way, way more than that. By end the of way. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. like even in university, I w- you know, and, and this is, I don't know if other people do this, but I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm pre-med. Meanwhile, oh I had God. nothing biggest, to back that up. Biggest, biggest catfish over here. <laughs> Completely, you know. And then finally I did decide to write the MCAT. Right. And it was hard. Right. It was hard. Like there were some sections I did well in and some sections that needed improvement. But right. with that, I realized mm-hmm. like while I was interested in a lot of what it had to offer, mm-hmm. the type of commitment it would require was all about lifestyle design. Right. And so I decided to take a step back and I had like really no idea what I was getting into. Okay. But I focused my degree at that point. I went into sort of the neurosciences, psychology, and then I tacked on health studies, which is really actually public health okay. in undergraduate terms. So I extended my degree for mm-hmm. about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there a little bit longer than I would have liked to have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but finished, and just as I was finishing at St. Mike's, they offered me a full-time job in that last year. Got it. So I worked full-time in my last year of university okay. while I was like, rushing yeah. to get my degree done yeah, yeah, and yeah. i mean if anybody else has done this you're just like i don't care i'll take six courses right like i'll, I'll do the max capacity <laughs> yeah i'm gonna just, just kill myself get to get to the end yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so i did do that but yeah. eventually i made it right and by the time graduation happened i already had a job because i was already working mm-hmm. so it fell into my lap i would say because while i was in school i wouldn't say i was like this is what i'm gonna do and this is how i'm going to do it okay I was learning all these things about psychology, but I wasn't really able to understand the application of it Mm. because at the time, I think UFT has changed now, but at the time, learning was very rigid. It was very textbook oriented. We had amazing professors, but nothing was practical oriented. Some things weren't. And unless you understood it in that way, it would take you a little bit longer, which it did for me. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started working, I had wonderful mentors in the workplace and I fell into really good projects that actually took my like theoretical school knowledge Mm -hmm. and made it real for me. So at that time, I had started working at St. Mike's and they have a huge area of research dedicated to marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. And I started working basically like with the homeless population and people living with mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this was a very eye opening experience for me because it transformed what I understood, especially as a privileged like person of color Mm -hmm. in many ways Mm -hmm. it transformed that knowledge and really made me very humble Hmm. and with that i kind of had this very strong urge to stay in the mental health kind of psych field because i realized that uh you know unless your mental health 
is in a good place, Mm -hmm. it's really hard uh, or things are harder in life. Mm -hmm. And there's no way to always say that it's going to be a certain way. You have to put work into it. Mm -hmm. And it takes communities and healthy communities to do that. So I kind of made that connection between like healthy communities, healthy societies, healthy children really have an impact on mental health. And I wanted to be a part of that conversation. And having worked with homeless people for so many years um, and just kind of being taken under the wing of so many mentors in the process, it humbled me. Mm. And I wanted to stay in a humble place. Okay. And mental health research kind of gave me that. Okay. It aligned with who I was. So years later, I would say, like, just before I did my master's, I kind of was like, who am I? Right. And I, I spent a lot of time reflecting on what I brought to the table as a person. Right. And in that process, I realized part of being authentic was taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And if there was anything I'd want to impart on the world mm-hmm. is how important that journey is. Right. And so to me, it just made sense. Like everything was mental health. Physical health is mental health. Mm-hmm. Like everything is mental health. And without it, life is just not experienced. Okay. And so for me, my career, my personality, who I am kind of started to align and become one and who you saw at the office became who you saw at home. Right, right, So right. that to me, I think, was how my career unraveled mm-hmm. um, and how I ended up kind of staying in that place. But, you know, as a South Asian kid, you're kind of taught, well, like, go to school, do this, do this, do this, mm-hmm. then you'll do this, then you'll get the job and you'll do this. Right. It's already predetermined before you can even Exactly. Yeah. But there's so much more that happens beyond that because right. part of going to school is also finding your strengths. Right. And using them to Mm -hmm. make the world a better place and finding yourself. And, you know, some people do it at one stage of life. Others do it much later. Right. But you have to find the groove that works for you. And I think my career um, has evolved to kind of give me that. And I'm still in that process of kind of weaving in and out of that. Okay. But um, in that sense, I think unlike some people who've arrived like day one, you know, you get into life sciences, like I'm going to be a doctor. Right. I'm going to write the MCAT. I'm going to do this, this and this. and I'm going to get there. And they do. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one of those people. Okay. Um, I often wondered if I was like a social disappointment because everybody's like, she's going to med school. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> and then I was like, actually, you know, it requires the kind of commitment that I do not have, but I highly respect yeah. somebody yeah, who yeah. does. And I have many amazing friends Same. that are physicians now. Same. And I say like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. being committed to that field. I'm going to like cheer the flag from right. another end. Um, and so that's kind of my work. And I mean, you, you support the, I'm going to say the, the the medical or health field, if you will, just in a different way, in a different Absolutely. capacity. You know, research is, is very valuable and valued as a researcher. You complement the work that physicians do. Absolutely. Yeah. The two go hand in hand. Right. And I mean, the ideal in some ways is if you can do a bit of both, mm-hmm. like a lot of physicians do do this. They yeah. do clinical work as a right. doctor, and but they, they do. also do research. Right. So I would be somebody who's part of that research team. Yeah. What did change for me, though, is I spent many years in like heavy frontline clinical research related to mental health. Yeah. And then in the last couple of years now, I've migrated into education okay. around mental health. Okay. Um, again, something that just slowly fell into right. my lap. All organic. All organic, completely yeah. organic, because I went on to do my master's in child development. I remember this. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of pivoted back and said, like, well, what can we do from an education perspective? Mm-hmm. So in recent years now, I've taken all my mental health knowledge and sort of clinical knowledge and started using it to form the basis of improving education systems. Got it. Whether it's formal education, informal, and now with a pandemic, Mm -hmm. we use so much of this knowledge to help people cope while they're at home. Okay. So in that sense, my career has taken yet another turn. Mm -hmm. And I've now come full circle now to just take the knowledge that I've gained over the years little by little Mm -hmm. and to be able to share it with people. Right. Um, and in that sense, I think, you know, you can never quite script the path. Right. The path has to be forged ahead. Like you have to take the first step Fair and enough. then see where you're going to go. My sister is spitting bars out here, by the way. I, this is <laughs> albums coming out never, but it's. No, but I think yeah. you know, everybody has yeah. has these um, intersections in their life. Yeah. And, um, you know, your career is an important part of who you are yeah. at the end of the day. And I would yeah. have never thought I had one mm-hmm. just because of the social scripts of what does it mean to have a career? Right. You know, like right. either you're a lawyer, either right. you're a lo- like an accountant. Right. Um, and when I say to people like, oh, I'm a, like I work in mental health research, they're like, 
well, what is that? Yeah, what, what does that mean? Like, yeah. Do you go to a lab? I'm like, actually, no. Like, right. I go hang out with people in their natural settings. Mm-hmm. We talk about stuff that's Haven't happening. Haven't you been, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But haven't you been, like, chased down by, like, people that you, you know? So, like the context people? to that. Because <laughs> I remember you came home once and you were like, oh, my God. I've worked a in precarious man just, situations. A homeless man just chased me. Like, stuff like that has happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I say it that way because I don't want to. Um, my sister's running so you other researchers can write, okay? Okay, so. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to disrespect you know the context in which yeah, these yeah, things yeah. happen, yeah. but there have been like situations that are not necessarily safe right. or ideal, right. um, where I've worked like in a you know jail setting or in a um, shelter setting. So you where were out here in these streets, yeah, I've actually literally. done like street work, and I there's a wonderful thing they do every couple of years. It's a census okay. to do a count of how many people are homeless, right? And they work through the night. It's a it's a it's a free gig, so it's a volunteer gig that you got to do. Whoa. But you get hired by the city of Toronto, and right. it's such an awesome. experience experience where you meet homeless people through like a 24-hour cycle okay. and you literally do a head count. Wild. Um, so I've done a lot of, of stuff like that, like Wild. really interesting stuff like that. Okay. Um, I've been inside sort of the lockdown unit of a house, you know, hospital, yeah. uh, a psych ward and had like very interesting experiences with people who are very ill. Okay. But these are some of the most humble places where I've learned a lot about right, life. Right, right, right. Um, so in that sense, I love what I do. Nice. And I love that it's not the same thing every day. What is kind of next for what you are looking to do or looking to accomplish or looking to just venture out into over the next couple of years? In my career? Yeah. I would love to actually take um, my work now in mental health and education to a leadership level. Okay. um, And see if there's a space where we can merge public and private. And by that, do you mean, so I work in um, corporate nine to five in digital, right? Yeah. And there are, you know, companies like Microsoft, like IBM, where uh, mental health advocacy, they have, you know, business units, they have teams for that. Is that the type of space that you want to enter into? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's what we need. I think that's where the lack lack is because everything is so compartmentalized. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We rely on a public system to drive mental health wellness for society. Mm -hmm. But really and truly, that is not going to be effective in the long run. And we can see that from what's happening with this pandemic, Right. right? Like the biggest hit is to social mental health. Right. Um, And I think for that, you need to merge public and private. Um, Also, you know, there's a lot of work being done using technology to drive mental health wellness, especially now with the rise of AI. Mm -hmm. There's so much you can put together that merge those two industries, Mm -hmm. health and, you know, artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. to actually help people even in the comforts of their own home mm-hmm. so this is a space i'd like to now kind of hopefully navigate my career towards cool. um and of course absorb the learnings that come with that mm-hmm. at the moment of course i am home with children right. so that kind of puts a little bit of a pause button right uh, but in the grand scheme of things yeah. my true hope is really to get into a place where i can lead people to do their best and so i don't want to say like i'm going to stay in healthcare research mm-hmm. or i'm going to go exclusively into the private sector mm-hmm. i'd like to be in a space where there's fluidity something else i'd love to also do is to be able able to teach nice um and I could so he was like a professor i would love to do that yeah, yeah and yeah, years yeah. ago when i thought about it uh my kind of idea was to be a researcher two days a week right. to teach two days a week and then to do like policy work one day a week right so this is kind of my long-term goal okay i've always wanted to have a private practice of my own clinic okay. actually seeing people um and help and counsel people Mm -hmm. so that's something else I'd love to venture into and my education has put me in a position where I could possibly do that right but again right now just given where we are with the world and also with having children I'm kind of like you know what it's good I don't have to make all these decisions at once right but you're armed with the educational backing absolutely armed with the network absolutely and I think you know there's a lot to say for work experience right no experience is you know invaluable like not valuable everything is really important to do Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to start from the ground up I was lucky I started off my work as a research assistant so I know what it takes from the bottom up to get you know healthcare projects going I know what it also takes to show you know effectiveness Mm -hmm. you know and what does it take to show value and what are the learnings we need if we need to create change in health behaviors so from that end I'm very familiar at the same time on the other end now Mm -hmm. like I've been experienced with what do you do with that kind of information and that kind of data and there's a huge need um, for data manipulation Mm -hmm. so I'd like to be able to kind of infuse all these kind of arms 
of knowledge mm-hmm. into a position that allows me to lead people. Okay. Um, and so I've kept the options open. Nice. Um, I c- considered the potential of doing a PhD. A yeah. lot of my friends were like, ah, no more school. Yeah, same. <laughs> Stay <Yeah>. working. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but in that sense, I'm, I feel good. It, yeah. feels, it feels really good. That's I'm good. At a really great point in my life also where I'm able to step back with kids right. and kind of enjoy where I'm at. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to getting back That's to dope. working. That's dope. And then I'm just looking forward to getting in there and kicking ass because yeah. I think when you do what you love right that's what you end up you doing. kick ass naturally it's true yeah absolutely yeah. and I recently just completed like a temporary role with a really amazing um nonprofit where I got to do that nice and uh if it wasn't for the fact that you know we had a baby on the way I yeah. would have done it a little bit longer yeah. but it yeah, really yeah, yeah. gave me a sense of what it was like to lead with my strengths yeah and so in terms of my career aspirations, I don't want to pin myself down and say, like, I'm going to do X in this time. Cool. While I think that is valuable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would like to stay really open to how can we move with the times. Nice. And being at home during a pandemic, I think, has asked me to, like, rethink what I want to get back into yeah. and how I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I'd like to say that door is still fairly open for me at this point. Nice. Nice. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned you wanted to potentially explore teaching. Um, and I think that just that idea of wanting to give and to do something for others, like in our family, I, I find that the there's this theme of people that want to do things. And in particular, the focus is on business. Um, and and the, the, one of the one of the core focuses of, of our podcast is on people that are doing things in business. But I think it applies differently for everyone else. But even like, you know, we've got a cousin back home in Sri Lanka. His name is Derek. He runs two salons with his wife. We've got family members um, that have, you know, bakeries of their own or that, um, you know, do tailoring for, you know, different people in the community. And I think the fact that you just want to do it already, that in itself is a big thing. So, you know, hopefully it happens. And I'm sure I'm sure it will. Well, that's interesting you say that because James has really encouraged me to kind of think um, entre- like from the position of an entrepreneur. He's, he's an entrepreneur. He's, he's my, an ingrained you know, you know, entrepreneur. Your, your partner, James, is just he is the he's one of the few people that I know that is like, you know, I've got to have multiple lines of income. He thinks literally from a business perspective in, in all avenues of what he does and people that he talks, people that he loves. Like it's it's the whole night. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's very yeah. much him. And now yeah. he's kind of encouraged me right. to um, bring that into the fold. Right. And incorporate it in with my it's strengths. Almost, it's almost become an essential skill, though, especially if you think about the fact that we're in the midst of the world, you know, shutting down, if you will, and trying Absolutely. to restart. Everyone's now thinking of how can I support myself um, and what's the best way to do it is by starting your own business. Absolutely. Yeah. And university doesn't give you that. No. Like they don't. No. College teach. does. University College does. does. Yeah, but yeah, university, yeah. like that pure sort of academic right. um, vision doesn't necessarily teach you yeah. how to survive. How to do your taxes. Yeah. Like. like these kind of things and and i think for me because i always stuck to the box right, right i never really explored that potential rather didn't even think it was something i was capable of right right so it's i a design flaw in our system too completely yeah. so when i like when i decided i was going to be home for yeah. some amount of time with with our baby i was kind of like you know what i'm going to take these next few months mm-hmm. to really just explore that within myself and within other bodies of knowledge, do some reading mm-hmm. and learn because mm-hmm. it's not like you're like, I'm going to wake up today and just start a business. It's not that simple, right? right. Because for all the people who have businesses now, yeah. I mean, the pandemic has really taken yeah. like a big hit on them. So how do you create a business that's valuable to you mm-hmm. and to other people that can be sustainable, right. you know, in times like these? So it's interesting because I forced myself before not to think of it mm-hmm. because it requires out of the box thinking that right. I wasn't comfortable with. Right. And now I'm like, well, you kind of have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable Nailed it. and step outside of that. Yeah. And you know, who knows? Because that's the place where sometimes your greatest successes right. are. Right. So that's why I say like, I don't know what the road holds for mm-hmm. me. Um, but James always encourages me to push past conventional nine to five mm-hmm. kind of work mm-hmm. because he's like, there's so much more to be gained in things that are created. Cool. And especially when you're, um, your touch is on it, then it's nobody else can make that. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can do that. And mm-hmm. if that does something for people, mm-hmm. then you have the ability to change the world. And that's something I've always had the desire to do yeah. is to change the world and make it a better place. This was going to be my line if I was to get a medical school interview. Right, and then I right. realized that everybody says that. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe so I just I'm like Miss Universe out here. <laughs> well, maybe you just won't say it there, but there's a lot of truth to it for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in that way, I'd like to say, like, seeing how you've done with your business yep. and how much you've expanded yourself and also learn from the clients that you interact with. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I've been taking notes. That's well, that's I thank you. That's that's good. to That's good to hear. Yeah, no, totally. 
kids, man. Mm-hmm. You got a newborn. Um, yep. He's turning, what, three months? Yeah, and next week. Next week? How's yeah. that feel? It's great. Yeah? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are hoping for a girl. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that. Um, yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah. I don't sound like it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's awesome because right. I can finally sleep for more than two yeah. hours a night. Yeah. Which has made a significant difference. I mean, shout out to our mom for being the nanny, by the way. Well, been, she's not, you know. Or not. Yeah, or not. No, Sorry, no, mom. no, no. <laughs> Listen, if she was, she's the nanny that gets like charcuterie boards. James <laughs> hooks her up, okay? We have like sangria <laughs> whenever she comes over and make these fancy dinners. She and has stuff. a room. She's yeah, she boarding. has a room. Wow. No, no. I just. Honestly, I just bring mom because I need company yeah, yeah. and I need help. Yeah. But in terms of hitting the three-month mark, it yeah. has been amazing. Uh, parenthood is very difficult mm-hmm. and motherhood is a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, like everybody says and every cliched thing out there, yeah. it's amazing and yeah. it's all worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. I can't complain. Cool. But it's hard. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I'll be very honest and very raw about that. People yeah. don't talk about it. Yeah. It's definitely like glamorized yeah. where everybody looks amazing. Yeah. Um, Total lie, by the way. Yeah, complete lie. I do not look I amazing. I was there with you for your first pregnancy. Total lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I looked amazing to my look, pregnancy. No, you, you look great during it. Was it was after. But, <laughs> but I mean, just the, no, the, the process of like, you know, you go into the delivery room looking beautiful. You come. No, everyone ends up looking like shit going in and coming out because you've just delivered a child. Well, and it doesn't stop there yeah, is what yeah, it is. Yeah. I think that's, that's just when the work is beginning. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. like, you know, everybody has different pregnancies. Yeah. But for the most part, I always believe that like the hardest part are the first three months and the sleepless nights. Right. And sleeplessness is the single biggest torturous thing you could do to a human. Right. right you take right. away someone's sleep. Right. You freaking make them a dragon. Right. <laughs> like, and I became a dragon. I've seen this before. Yeah. It was horrible because right. you're just you don't have anything to work with. You mm. have very little resources. Uh, so I'm safe to say yeah. I'm finally getting my back very because cool. my baby is sleeping. Yes. Um, so it's great. But if you'd asked me this question yeah. about a month ago, I think I just had like WhatsApp messages with my friends being right. like, F this. <laughs> <laughs> Who lied and said, this is amazing. Who sold F- me on this dream? Yeah, F this. But no, it, it's good. It's great. And it's cool. very rewarding. There's yeah. no amount of um, success in life mm-hmm. that can give you the joy mm-hmm. and happiness, um, pain and suffering that you feel <laughs> in a beautiful, chaotic combination that you have with the children. Right. And my children are my life. Yeah. And I think I was always meant to be um, a mom. Yeah. Um, and I've f- known this since I was a kid. Yeah. I've always felt it in me yeah. um, meant to be a mother. And yeah. it's something that I it's the one thing I enjoy 24 mm-hmm. seven. And there's not a lot of that that no. I kind of can say no. that I truly love. But I love being a mother because it actually allows me to do what I want to do, which is to make an impact on the world. Right. And by, by doing that, I, I get to do it through my kids mm-hmm. by hopefully mentoring them to be good humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why. You know, I'm very happy. My yeah. son is three months old. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say um, your kids have taught you? I think they've um, they've taught me about a lot about myself. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've had my most growth mm-hmm. after I would say Gautam arrived. Okay. Uh, one about my physical self, my physical body, okay. um, especially as a female. Okay. Um, and I think I'm comfortable enough to say these things now. Yeah. But you know, sexuality is not something that's often spoken about right. in South Asian homes. Right. And it's not something that, um, you know, we reward in terms of those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. But I understood my own sexuality, oddly enough, or ironically enough, after I had my first child. Okay. And part of that is because your body parts are just kind of out of whack. Right. You know, you go through what's physically somewhat traumatic. Mm-hmm. Birth is a traumatic experience. Yeah. So in that sense, I learned a lot about my physical self. Mm-hmm. And my own sexuality after I had my first kid. Mm-hmm. And now combined looking at both children, I think one thing I've learned about myself mm-hmm. is that I can do it. Right. I can do it. There's nothing I can't do. Mm-hmm. Because as a parent and as a mother, you are tested constantly. You mm-hmm. are pushed to the limits emotionally and physically. And I say emotionally because when you have a kid or you raise a child, mm-hmm. I won't say have them because you can raise them. You, right. can, you don't have to birth them, right? Right, right, right. But I think when you raise a little human that you love, 
um, your heart gets stretched a little bit. Mm -hmm. And every time that happens when you have children, Mm -hmm. you realize your capacity for love. Right. But then the mirror of that, like the flip side of that, is Mm -hmm. you also realize your capacity for pain and the things that you can feel. Right. So over the years, I've become more self-aware. Yeah. I've really gone deeper into myself. And part of being a parent um, is aspiring to be a good parent. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to do that, mm-hmm. I've had to check myself, check my biases, right. and educate myself. Right. So even recently, I mean, in the beginning of the pandemic, when we had the huge sort of the initial look into this year, the events that have moved and moved the Black Lives Matters issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do a lot of thinking. Right. I mean, I'm in a interracial relationship. Right. And for my children now, how do I teach them to navigate these situations? Mm-hmm. What will their world look like right. in 30 years when I'm not here? So I, in, in reverse, had to kind of backpedal mm-hmm. and look at my own biases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the environment I'm raising my kids in, what I expose them to, and right. what I understand of the world around me. So right. in that sense, being a mother has taught me that I need to learn, mm-hmm. uh, and that it never stops. Mm-hmm. And that I can learn and I can improve myself, right. but that I can also be like anything I want to be right. because I'm going to teach them they can be anything they want to be. Right. And one thing I promised myself before I had children was that if I get to raise kids, mm-hmm. my only goal was to like I saw myself as the ship, right. you know. I get kids, they get onto my ship, right. and my job for like the first 20 years of their life right. is to bring them to the shore. Right. Once they get to the shore, I need to let go. Right. And they need to go off into the world and right. bring others into their ship. Okay. So, I mean, I have the gift of raising three boys. Mm-hmm. And James and I do that together. We're a blended family. Yeah. And we have we share one beautiful child together now. And we both believe that we need to take our three boys to the shore. Mm-hmm. And the good thing for me is I don't parent alone. Right. We parent together. Right. But as a mother, I've learned so much about myself mm-hmm. through each of my children, all three of them. Mm-hmm. And that learning, I think, will never fully stop. Yeah. Because no matter what, they're still your babies. Yeah. And they're yeah, still yeah. your kids. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, as a mom, you kind of have to hold it together sometimes. Mm-hmm. You have to prioritize, I've seen it, yeah. you know, what is important, what's what's going to be hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some situations can be really tough yeah. and you just have to say, I'm just going to deal with what's up here. Right. The rest of this is going to come later. It's tomorrow's problem. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the times it's yourself. Right. And I found that like after having a baby, my recovery was important. Right. But you have a little human depending on you. OK. And so like James knows this, you know this, yeah. mom and dad know this. I, I was very important like very open with this but it was hard yeah. it was physically really really hard recovering yeah because it takes nine months to yeah. build a human yeah. and your body has to recover from that and right. how do you prioritize yourself when you have somebody depending on you mm-hmm. so that was a learning experience for me i learned once with gautam but then i had to relearn right. again like six years later yes yeah. six years later yeah. and it humbled me because i was like well i thought i knew but i guess i didn't right so in that sense i've kind of appreciated the importance of creating a community asking for help mm-hmm. which is why mom is here so often <laughs> <laughs> no complaints by because the way. Yeah. i kind of was like well it's okay to ask for help right and asking for help from the people you love right um doesn't actually feel like a chore actually no yeah, and yeah. It, it goes both ways they right. get to give something to you when you're not at a hundred percent and you get to give something back to them right. you know and then your bond grows stronger and stronger mm-hmm. so in that sense i realized the importance of asking for help which i never used to do in my life before same yeah but james has really taught me the importance of that and as a mm-hmm. partner he's shown up really well for me shout out and to james yeah. yeah no completely he's amazing yeah. anyone who knows me knows that yeah. he's just amazing um but in that sense we both do that equally yeah um and so for me now every day is a learning experience with mm-hmm. the kids and i've learned to take it a day at a time nice. you know and you don't have to be a parent to know this or do this but yeah. it's so important to take it a day at a time to offer yourself a moment Mm -hmm. one minute of your 24 hours to center yourself Mm -hmm. and to have a practice where you center yourself yeah so that when shit does hit the fan yeah you are still able to find your middle ground and say well who am i know how to balance yeah Yeah. and that's something i've learned slowly but surely to do um and having children and raising children is definitely an exercise in that Mm -hmm. so yes wow look at look at that i didn't think you were so 
<laughs> smart, Tim. Not really. Full no, full I think I've just. Great. No, I'm just I think I'm I've just fallen down so many times, flat on my face. Right. That's what um, builds you up, though, right? And that's what builds yeah. you up. Yeah. There have been many days where you know I'll sort of like fret and I'll say like, James, I can't do this, or Mom, yeah. I can't do this, or yeah. I'll call up my girlfriends yeah, and I'll yeah, say yeah. like, Yeah, I'm struggling with this, yeah. but. You know, everyone is. Yeah. And I yeah. realize that like every mom you're is. Of, you're one of the many. Yeah. I'm one of the many. Every yeah. mom is. You go through all these range of emotions with your kids. Yeah. Like recently, especially while I was like leading up to the delivery of the baby, mm-hmm. um, I watched my relationship with Gautam transform because he's, <laughs> right. he's six now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's going into grade one yeah. and we have another person coming into yeah. the family. And up until that point, it was just me and him. Yeah. And then now it's like me, him and, you know, the baby. And so I took a few months just before the baby arrived to really just cherish the time with right. him and to create memories with him right. by having meaningful conversations. Yeah. And so that's something I'll hold very dear in my heart, which is why I think being a parent and being a mom is mm-hmm. one of the greatest joys of life mm-hmm. because you get to share yourself with somebody else in a very deep way. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we don't realize this about ourselves when we are children to someone else. Right. Like I didn't realize the depth of my own mother's love right. until I explored the depth of my love for my children. And that actually came into question when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing I thought to myself is, what do I need to do as a citizen and as a parent to keep my kids safe? You know, whether it's empowering myself with knowledge or proper sanitation practices, whatever it is. Right, right, right. You know, what do I need to do? And I realized I will go to any ends of the earth Mm -hmm. to protect my kids, Mm -hmm. which is probably why mom this morning was like, hey, do you want to just eat all of my breakfast since you haven't eaten? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I'll fix myself something. That's her but saliva's that's... coming off the fork. <laughs> but, but that just shows like why you give yourself so much for right. your children because right. they, they hold a space in your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now I think back to like when grandma passed away, yeah. or when grandpa passed away, I yeah. thought to myself recently, well, if they had the awareness, I'm pretty sure like as they knew they were going to die, all they saw in their eyes were their kids right. because you hold them in your heart and that right. lives in your soul forever. Yeah. So that to me is a gift that the universe, you know, bestows on humans. We have the ability to mm-hmm. do that, whether it's birthing them, adopting them, you know, helping out with our friends, our cousins, kids, the ability to nurture and love somebody mm-hmm. in a selfless way is a gift that I think we all um, deserve to give ourselves. And it's one that, Actually, again, much like my career, fell into my lap yeah. because while I always wanted to be a mom, I never right. thought this would be the way it would happen right, right. or that this would be the timing. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, I'm kind of like it was always meant to be. So for me, my kids are at the top of my pyramid. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the center of that all is my my partner. Yeah. But my family is kind of the pillar of yeah. that yeah, right yeah. in the middle. Yeah. And everything else comes after that. Yeah. And if I can improve myself as yeah. a person then I give them something mm-hmm. that's very valuable. And the more I nurture their lives, you know, the reverse comes back to me, which is why I would love to have another kid, but I need a permanent job. <laughs> that's a different topic. Children, children <laughs> are expensive. Money. They are, yes, they, they do cost money. Diapers don't come for free from Jeff Bezos. That's for sure. So. Yeah, definitely. You know. Definitely. Especially in today's world, you yeah, do need yeah. financial stability and things like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, everybody have kids raise kids or hug someone's kid <laughs> hug uh, a baby <laughs> it feels really good it's got, it's got really it's got really weird this is, <laughs> this is this is my cue to offer up that fantastic transitionary point that i was telling you guys about 50 minutes ago <laughs> where i say uh i'm i'm really glad that this finally happened um yeah. and you know much to my surprise from all of my boys and all my homegirls they were absolutely correct you have a lot to to talk about and i'm glad that we had this conversation because wow. we can now show this to our kids uh totally. you know in, in many many years and they'll have something to actually listen to you know shout out to your friends who actually yo, were okay, like yo bun all of you guys okay <laughs> like just no, no, this is this is really cool. And actually, recently, um, a good friend of mine, Priya, was kind of like, you know, you should you should share some of your thoughts with the world. Like you you have a lot going well, up there. Priya, what's good? <laughs> like, what's, yeah. I was like, yeah, she's like, write it down or do like a vlog or something, you know. And I was like, yeah, yeah. If I no. catch you on YouTube, I'm not subscribing. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> actually, I've told James, I'm like, we need to start oh a God. YouTube channel. Oh you know, mixed couples and families. Oh <laughs> 
But no, seriously, thank you. Which is, is, by the way, a huge niche on YouTube. No, I know, I know. We're we're kind of late to the party if that was the case. But no, thank you. This is like super, super cool. And I've been listening to all of your podcasts. They're pretty awesome. Thank you. You do not directly sound the way you sound on the podcast. You sound very different. Podcasts will do that to you. Yeah, Yeah, no, you know what? Imposter syndrome or just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't don't know. But like, I love, for example, listening to the radio. I listen to Razamoka. Yeah, yeah. And they have great voices. But when you meet them in person, they're probably different. I guarantee. No, I think they're cool in person too. No, no, no. I'm like, like their voice their voice oh i'm sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but you have a great voice you should have like a talk show yeah i don't have much to to talk about all the time on my own so well that's why you bring in guests well anyway the timing of this was perfect because (laughs) on my drive this morning with gotham i was actually listening to michelle obama's podcast and she brings in her mom and her brother right so Good, just good kind of synchrony there so yeah thank you <laughs> this is good no no problem guys again thanks for thanks for tuning in uh don't forget to uh follow us across instagram and on twitter um thank you again for joining us this is going to be the first of, of many uh again um let us know what you think and until then this is joe from the front row thanks guys we did it i'm waiting for james to come and be like when is my turn i want to talk so I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did featuring my sister. You know, it's always great when we get to sit down and just catch up. And it was great for me to just hear her talk about me and vice versa, you know, for myself to talk about her and truly to go down memory lane. I mean, if you have family members, if you've got siblings, aunts and uncles, it's always a dope moment when you just get to enjoy each other's company. And this episode truly was a a big testament to that. So shout out to my sister for giving us her time and, you know, taking a little bit of time away from the kids to hear, you know, hear me ramble and hear me question things in her life. But it was, it was dope and it was a good experience. I also wanted to quickly point out that after listening to the intro for this episode, I might come off as like a crazy person or just a person that is angry all the time. So to our listeners out there, I assure you it's not the case. And if it was, I would tell you. But what I am trying to get at is, uh, you know, I went through something a couple weeks ago where I lost a really important person to me. And and a part of that was me kind of doing a bit of an audit on, you know, how I'm feeling. But what what am I what am I doing? What am I saying? And how can I be accountable for some of those things as well? So that was really an exercise that I'm still doing, but that, you know, I really wanted to share with you guys for that reason. But, you know, I'm normal. I'm sane. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm Gucci is what I'm trying to get at. In any case, I also do want to quickly add that our next episode is one that I did want to talk about, but I'm still planning it right now. So stay tuned. Be on the lookout for that. We do have two more episodes coming out just before the end of December kind of comes upon us. So I did want to quickly share that with you guys. Don't forget as well, follow us across Twitter and on Instagram at The Front Row Pod. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Music. And finally, talk to you guys soon.